We had a really good, solid recruiting class this year. I think next year is going to be even better and kind of continue to grow that way. And just want to see this program have a lot of success in this league and in this province. Welcome to episode 173 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. This week, we put the wraps on our Canadian College Baseball Conference preview episodes, chatting with each of the Alberta team's coaches, with University of Calgary Dinos bench boss Cam Williams on deck. Originally from Coquitlam, B.C., Williams moved to Calgary to study kinesiology and play baseball. We first met the infielder back in 2018 when he set the Dinos' all-time record for career hits. He stayed in Calgary, joined the Bucks coaching staff before taking the top job with the Dinos. It's been a weird start to his coaching career, to say the very least, doing it all during a pandemic. But he's had some early success as the team finally got to play some games over the past couple of weekends, guiding them to a 500 record. What's the transition been like? What are his coaching philosophies? And what kinds of advice is he passing on to his players? We chatted about it all recently. Cam, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Um, you've always done a great job with this, so great great to be on. Really appreciate it. The kind words right off the bat. You're setting the bar really high for what the conversation is going to be like. Let's start off. Take us back to last weekend, opening weekend. How excited were you personally to finally get back onto the field? Oh man, very excited. Um, you know, it's been, uh, you know, second year on the job and haven't gotten to play a, a conference game. Right. So, um, energy was really, really high guys were really, just ready to go fired up on both sides. You know, both Douglas were into it, um, played three of the four were tight, tight ball games, you know, into the, you know, tie games into the eighth and ninth. And, uh, you know, it was just a ton of fun to be back out there and, you know, it's almost, almost made it worth the two year wait, uh, to, you know, get back out there. No small feat either and that you managed to pull off a split with PBA, Todd Hubka, who was a guest a couple of weeks ago here. How did that feel to not just be able to play, but also to stringing together a couple of wins as well? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Um, you know, we've taken a lot of losses down there at Lloyd Nolan Yard. So that felt good. And, you know, they've always had a really strong program down there. And, you know, I think it just attests to, you know, how hard our guys have worked and how ready to go they were because, you know, starting the season on the road down there, especially, and then, uh, you know, coming away with a split um, and just overall playing some decent baseball and, you know, areas to grow for sure. But, you know, it's like I said, it was a huge start to the season for us, you know, being on the road. Take us into your dugout and what are you expecting out of this crew of athletes? Uh, they're really close. Like, honestly, they're, uh, I got kind of a split. Like, we got a good core of older guys that have really stuck it through. You know, they've, sur- you know, survived COVID and, continue to grind and work hard for themselves. Right. And they're really close and, uh, and, you know, they got a really kind of electrifying young group where, you know, kind of getting their feet wet and, you know, trying to gain experience and, and can learn from those older guys too. So, uh, like I said, we got a lot of depth and we got guys that are ready to step up and, uh, you know, like I said, just, I, I expect them to compete every game and I think we're going to play a lot of tight ball games, which is going to be stressful for me, but, uh, you know, I think yeah, moving forward, it's going to be be really good for us. You know, learning how to win in, in those tight games is, is really hard. It's one of the hardest things to to learn, and it's hard to teach, right? Like, you're, all your practice reps don't really attest to a 3-2 ball game in the ninth, right? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to simulate that. Mm-hmm. I feel like this question always leads to, it's like picking favorite children almost, <laughs> but any guys that you're really thinking need to be keyed on, guys that you feel are going to be head turners for your squad? 
Uh, well, one of them is Chris Cook. I mean, he's one of our stars. He's also one of our middle of the order guys, right? So, um, and he's and just one of our leaders on and off the field in general, right? So he's a guy that uh, if he's going, we're going to have a lot of success, right? Not to put too much pressure on him, but, uh, you know, and then and we still have Jordan Smith back, who's, who's a huge, um, just kind of getting back on the mound. He's kind of had some elbow issues, but he's actually one of our better bats now too. So um, just overall, I guess that we probably have three or four, you know, 60-year guys almost now, right? And two guys actually in grad school, which is really cool. Um, and uh, like I said, they are doing a really, really good job with those younger guys and kind of getting them ready because, you know, you know, pass the torch, if you will, because they're the guys moving forward, right? So all these meaningful games that we play and tight games that we play are only beneficial for us moving forward. Absolutely. And you've been around the CCBC for a while now, but you're relatively new to the coaching game a couple of years in. Have you figured out yet what kind of coach you want to be or are you still a work in progress that way? I mean, I think you should always be a work in progress to a degree, right? I think you should always be trying to learn um, and, you know, know, get to know your players because every group of players is going to be different too, right? And I don't think any cookie-cutter coaching approach should necessarily – I mean, sometimes it works for guys. I think depending on the player, depending on the group that you have, you kind of got to, you know, be adjustable, right? So um, I try to be as open as possible. I try to have those open relationships with guys. I want to be that kind of safe zone, um, and I think we can get the most out of our players that way. Right. And have those sometimes difficult conversations. And but like they know that it's coming from a, a good spot and that I'm being honest with them. And that's that's the big thing. Right. So I'm personally not a big, you know, yell, yell and shout and that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, some, I guess sometimes you got to do it. And But for the most part, you know, it's good better to have, you know, one on one open conversations when you need to. Right. When things maybe don't go quite how you know you or the player want them to. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm the father of a COVID baby born during the pandemic. You're kind of a COVID coach to a certain extent. You're breaking into the league as an actual game day coach uh, post-pandemic, so to speak. What's that been like, trying to kind of navigate the terrain and feel yourself out on the fly while also being privy to being able to be a coach during a pandemic? I mean, it's really hard, right? Like, I mean... Like, what do you tell these guys? You know, we, we trained for the most part all of last year. Like, we had a month there. Like, I think it was, like, mid-December to mid-January where we were shut down. And uh, But then we were back into some one-on-one -on -one training and some small groups and then finally some team stuff. And then the season was canceled again, right? So it's kind of one of those things, like, these guys have been working so hard. This is their life for, you know, four to five years or a big part of their life anyways. And, you know, they like, how do you break that news to them that the season's canceled again, right? So um but at the end of the day like i look back and it was a, it was a good learning experience i think kind of get my feet wet especially on the the relationship building with players um as well as the practice planning and all that kind of non-administrative part of the job because the administrative stuff is the stuff that i have to do now with the you know off-field stuff but i didn't have to necessarily do that too much last year but it was still a good experience to kind of forget players to get to know me my style you know how i how i like to plan practices and run practices and and kind of expectations for how we carry ourselves on and off the field without the stress of, you know, making roster decisions or playing time decisions and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it was, uh, you know, in a way it was beneficial for me, but obviously still would have loved to play, but uh, definitely got to get my feet wet. And like this year I feel hundred percent confident in, in what we're trying to do here. Right. Um, because I got that kind of practice run, if you will. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, not only that, you also played in the league as well. And so I'm curious from that standpoint, being able to give them that first person dynamic, what kinds of advice are you giving to them to make sure that they're successful on their journeys? 
Uh, I think just preparation is key, right? On both sides and time management on both sides of school and baseball, right? Like UFC is a very, you know, difficult academic school, um, but I guess depending on what program you're in, but for the most part, it's pretty difficult academic school. Um, and the CCBC is really good baseball too. I think people kind of sleep on it a little bit and, uh, you know, it's very difficult to have success in both. And, but the more, you know, prepared you are um, throughout the whole 12 months of the year, if not, especially the, the eight that were at school, um, you know, is, is huge. And, uh, you know, taking the time to make sure your body's ready, you're eating well, you're taking time for school, and then you're less stressed about school when you're at baseball and all that kind of stuff, right? So, um, but, you know, so I think just, again, the preparation and taking the time, you know, an hour a day to plan out your day and make sure you're following and make sure you're doing what you're supposed to on both sides, right? We talked a little bit about the expectations you have of the team. Do you have expectations of yourself as a coach? Uh, I think just trying to be as consistent as possible as a coach. Um, that's kind of one of the things that uh, so I think people don't o- overlook sometimes, right? So, so uh, just, uh, you know, be, again, like I said, consistent with how I treat players, you know, consistent with, you know, how my in-game decisions and trying to obviously like games always change. But uh, again, so I want players to kind of expect w- w- or know what to expect out of myself, how I'm going to react to certain situations. Um, Cause again, then they're more comfortable, right? They're, they know that I'm not going to blow up over something small or that kind of thing. Right? And that being said, if I do end up having, unfortunately having to blow up, they know how it's a serious thing. Right. And uh, you know, again, just being, like I said, consistent and I want them to know what to expect and it's my job to get the most out of them. Right. So how can I do that? And I think just being, knowing, being consistent is the big thing. The last time we really chatted with you about anything baseball related, you were setting records at uh, Foothill Stadium with the Dinos. What was that experience like, not just the record, but also playing for this team and having your name in the record books and being having your name associated with this squad? I mean, it, I have a lot of pride in it. Um, I've always really cared about the UFC program, obviously, right? Um, I thought that the UFC program has a ton of potential um, to be a you know upper echelon program in Canada. Um, and you know, so I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm really lucky to be in the position that I'm in for the school that I played for, you know, and like you said, you know, luckily having the opportunity to hold some records here and just, uh, kind of, you know, continue what this program, what I think it can be or, or in part help that transition, you know, and grow the program, develop the program. Um, and like I said, I'm just really fortunate to be in that situation. And, you know, um, it's looking back to then, like, you know, I've, if, if someone came to me, it's like, hey, do you ever think you could coach at this level? I probably would have said absolutely, but you never really think about it too, too much as a player, right? You're just trying to figure out what you're going to do next year after you graduate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and, 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 or had look forward to summer ball options or whatever, right? So, um, like I said, really lucky and, you know, I'm having a ton of fun with it too. So, you segued really well into a question I wanted to ask is about that transition from player to coach. When did that start to get into your mind a little bit that maybe, maybe this was an opportunity and talk us through how it all came to be that you became the head coach. Uh, well, so I, as soon as I was done playing, uh, like that, I guess it would have been like, and fall 2018, I started coaching with the Calgary old, I guess at the time it was junior dinos and then now Calgary bucks program, uh, 50 new and 18 new levels. And, so I was doing that and I actually got, a, I have a kin degree. So I got a kin job out of school as well. So I was doing that. Um, and, you know, so obviously following the UFC program, still trying to be around as much as I could um, and, and around with the training for the ABA, the training facility. Right. So, uh, and then I guess the first, uh, right after COVID hit, I guess it was like what April, 2020, uh, the former head coach, Jeff Freeborn stepped down and, 
you know, I still had our athletic director's contact information. So I reached out and said, you know, is it, do you think it's worth putting together a formal application? And did that, went through the interview process and here we are. So uh, um, I, I would say like, it's been, it was, I wouldn't say it was a difficult transition because I was coaching before, obviously at a lower level, but you know, um, one thing that really helped me was when I was a senior is I was, I was the only senior um, and everyone, I was the oldest guy. And, and uh, you know, we went through a coaching change mid-year, which was difficult. Um, and it was kind of looked at to be, you know, a bit of that off-field leader then. And, you know, and I just funny because I had the same thing happen to me in high school, uh, you know, grade 12 year, we only had four seniors and mid-season coaching change. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of ironic, I guess, but uh, it really helped me kind of be that more off-field leader, uh, not just the on-field, you know, game day stuff, but just kind of that mentor, if you will. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. In your eyes, how important is it going to be to maybe introduce a little bit of, I'll call it sustainability, but maybe some stability within that organization and give them a little bit of a framework of, hey, here's what we're going to do over the next, not just this season, but also two, three, four, five years down the road? It's huge. I mean, like I said, we, uh, I've some of my older guys, I said those six years have played for four different head coaches, right? In six years, like that's crazy. Um, but yeah, like, and like you said, it's hard to build sustainability. It's hard to grow a program when there's so much, and every coach has different philosophies and it's not their fault at all that they just have different ideals or where they see the program going and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, now that I'm almost at the end of year two and heading into year three, and we have ideas to do with like even the small stuff, like your fundraising and where to put that stuff, spring trip ideas, um, apparel ideas, stuff that like, you know, and like I said, we've one thing we've tried to do is grow our, you know, our brand through social media more as well. And, you know, that only helps, you know, grow the program because at the end of the day, almost everyone's on social media nowadays, mm -hmm. especially high school guys. Uh, and that's kind of that target that I think every college program should really be trying to, you know, reach to or, or their, their outreach stuff. Cause at the end of the day, if they look good to high school players, you know, then they're going to want to come here. And then guess what? We get a really strong recruiting class and now we're good again. And now it's, it just builds right. And the ball starts rolling. So that's kind of one thing that we're trying to do is appeal ourselves more to, like I said, those high school guys and, and that population because, we will be as good as they're interested in us, you know, three, four, five years down the road. Absolutely. Uh, let's go back in time now and go to the beginning for you. Uh, you're a product of Coquitlam, BC. How did you get into the game in the first place? Um, my dad's a huge baseball guy. Uh, I'm, I'm really lucky that uh, he was really passionate and, you know, um, got me playing at a young age t-ball, right? And I had an older brother that played t-ball. And so I was, I was the two to three-year-old that, you know, hitting – Falls off the, the second tee into like the backstop while the game was going on and stuff like that. Right. So, um, but uh, yeah, so my dad was really passionate. And I remember growing up, you know, almost every single day he would take me out in the backyard, we'd hit, you know, wiffle balls um, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I was lucky when I was 10 years old, I was coached by George Morneau, Justin Morneau's father. And so he would always said that, you know, Justin Morneau, 100 swings a day as a kid. So that's something that always stuck with me that we, and we, we have it structured out from, Key work to side toss to front toss to, to batting practice, right? Wiffles, baseballs down at the school field, stuff like that, right? So, um, and uh, that's something that, you know, my dad sacrificed a lot looking back to it, right? And the amount of hours and time. And, you know, back then, of course, everyone pitched too. So I'd throw my bullpens two or three times a week and he would always catch them. And at one point, he bought himself shin pads and that kind of thing because started throwing too hard. And, you know, looking back, it's and now that I'm older, it's crazy how much time and, and energy he put into it. Right. And, you know, so I'm really, really grateful for everything that he did for me um, and all the time that he spent and 
cared about me getting better and you know that kind of thing were you all baseball all the time as a kid or were you playing all kinds of sports at the time walk us through that um i did play hockey like every other canadian kid um <laughs> i actually i was actually played lacrosse as well um so i played lacrosse until i was 14 because that's when i went to the Quilton reds um who that was premier ball and a bit more serious right and offseason training and all that stuff so i kind of had to make the choice but prior to that I, you know box lacrosse and baseball season uh kind of they actually both run in the spring and summer so there was times where like you know especially like may long weekend was the big one you know i'd be in two different tournaments playing like seven or eight games over the weekend and just be running back and forth from the hockey rink to the baseball field back to the lacrosse rink right so it's uh you know good memories there but uh yeah walk us through making that decision yeah it's going to be baseball um i think even back then i knew it right like i was i was decent lacrosse but i knew that there was only so many opportunities right and i, I knew baseball was kind of the one that maybe i had a chance to do something with right so um but i still love lacrosse and i had a ton of fun i had a lot of really good close friends in it so that's why i kind of played until i was 14 um until i was forced to make that choice mm. but so i wouldn't say it was like a upsetting thing it was more of like a slow realization that you know what i have to pick one and it was high school so that's kind of the time that in my opinion if you're going to specialize it should be around that 15 ish age right and and uh that's when you know being in offseason training you know everything starts to kind of ball starts rolling right you find yourself in calgary as mentioned with the ufc program how did that all come to be in your mind why was it that calgary became your your home of choice um, my parents were big on school. Um, and like I said, I said before, I have, I have my kin degree, right? So the kinesiology program at the UFC is top notch. Um, but you know, my first choice at high school was UBC. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had a potential chance to go there and it ended up not working out. And, and the guy that at my position who, you know, good guy, uh, he played for the prospects for a while, but, uh, he signed there like a week before, uh, I wanted to Anthony Cassati is the name. Okay. Um, and, uh, he signed there about a week before I wanted to. So, I ended up looking elsewhere and UFC was kind of the next option in terms of school, um, you know, opportunity to play, right. That was a big one at the time. And, uh, you know, just, uh, things like at school wise. So, and closer to home ish. Right. Yeah. That always seems to be a big factor for a lot of guys going into CCBC too, is that, yeah, it's, it's all well and good to get to a big name U S college, but sometimes mm -hmm. it's nice to be closer to home and being able to get that home cooked meal once in a while and that kind of thing too. Yeah, or you don't have the huge long travel day to get home for Christmas and back, right? Like, mm. or it's easy. It was easy enough. Like, well, especially with you know OC and TRU. Like, my parents would come up to Kelowna, Kamloops, right, or over to the island when we were over there, right. So um, they always tried to make every game they could. Um, and uh, or like I said, even now that I'm still in Calgary and my folks are still there, you know, if I if there's a long weekend, like I'll pack the car up and head out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a ten hour drive, but it's not not too bad, right? And or for Christmas, it's an hour flight. You know, it's it's far enough away, but close enough at the same time. We won't get into the cost of uh, gas right at the moment because who knows <laughs> yeah. what it'll be next week. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to your ball career, looking back on it, any favorite memories, any favorite moments? I mean, you played in a number of tournaments. You played in a number of, of big games. What maybe sticks out as a, a couple of your favorite moments? Um, one would be, like you mentioned that night that we, I, you know, broke the hit record at Foothills. Um, so that was actually Little League night as well. So there was quite, that was the big, biggest crowd that we ever played in front of at home, you know, maybe a hundred people, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, Foothills seemed, seemed packed. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, it was, um, just a great night. So lots of kids there Friday night, right. Beautiful night. I think it was like 18, 19 degrees for like an early or late April, early May evening. Um, 
you know, and just, and, you know, yourself was there and Jeff Reborn's brother was doing the announcing. Right. So it just had like that kind of bigger league feel. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of them for sure. Um, my first ever college game, I ended up going three for four. So that one always sticks out. Um, first, first pitch I ever saw, I hit for a double. So that always is going to be my brain for a long time. Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple of big games. I played out in Weyburn uh, in, in the, in the well, WCBL now. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple of big playoff games. I had a walk-off hit um, in, in, in the playoff games. That, so that still sticks out. And, uh, you know, like I said, just fortunate enough to be able to play some, play a lot of baseball and play some really meaningful and close, close ball games where I had the opportunity to have big moments and those things stick out in my head. Absolutely. What's it mean to you now being able to give back to the game in the way that you are now, whether it's through the CCBC and the UFC Dinos program, or I know you're involved in uh, with PBR as well, and you've been always sort of trying to, to give back to the kids in the communities. Yeah, I think um, even, I mean, I only graduated high school in 2014, right? So but even thinking back to then is I think the, op- the win- windows of opportunity or however you want to put it, were a lot less, even again, this is only eight years ago, but you know, there was no PBR, you know, it was the Canada cup team and that was really about it. I guess junior national team was still there, right. For the top end guys, but uh, having these avenues and leeways to help players reach their goals. Right. And, you know, being in the position that I, that I am, and I'm lucky to, you know, be a you know positive influence for them and help them get, you know, achieve their goals. And, you know, there's no better feeling than having a guy at the end, you know, with PBR or, working with the Bucks program or one of my guys, you know, have success and, and, you know, them coming back to where from wherever they're from or with the UFC program and, you know, and then thank you for helping them out and all that kind of stuff. Right. Not that we do a whole lot. It's, it's a lot of, it's still hundred percent them, but uh, you know, helping them achieve those goals, it goes a long way. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's people helping people, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've said over and over and over again, I feel like a broken record sometimes, is success breeds success. And you and I were talking off mic about how the scene here in Alberta and frankly across Canada is kind of underrated that way. Is that there's not a lot, you know, you mentioned CCBC maybe being underrated just in, in terms of the talent level. What is it about the game right now in your eyes that's allowing for things to grow at the level that it is right now? I think the big one is, is the training and, and the, the minds and the coaches behind it. Right. Like, you know, I know, especially in Alberta here, every program has a couple of coaches that, you know, and like younger coaches wanting to give back, you know, that really, really know the game and really know that kind of the, the training behind it. Like I know, for example, up in Edmonton, like those AHP guys do a really good job in Calgary here. I know there's the, the three pro, there's the Bucks, Weber, Okotoks, right. They all do a pretty good job. Les and Box all does a great job. And, you know, these are all guys that, uh, you know, or that started coaching pretty much right out of playing and wanted to give back right away with the knowledge that they got from wherever they played. Um, and like I said, then like the offseason training, I think has gone a long way. You, you see the weight room numbers that some guys nowadays are putting up compared to 15 years ago. It's absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and that's, you know, like I said, it, it all helps. Right. And, um, but uh, yeah, so I think the resources and, and, you know, maybe the technology a little bit, but I think the big thing is the, the brains behind it and the, and the guys that are willing to help out, you know, um, it's, and it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's come a long way and it's exciting to see it continue to grow. Well, especially you mentioned the technology side, whether it's Rapsodo or anything else, like the ability to coach isn't just the, the X's and O's part anymore, especially from your perspective, it it's now getting into the minute details. Cause you got video, you got everything mm-hmm. right at your fingertips. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just like my eyes saying, do you know, like picking something up is especially as the guys start getting bigger, faster, stronger, throw harder, hit the ball harder. 
those small little adjustments are, can be really hard to see, right? Like, especially in a cage, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm a hitter. So I think in the, in the batting cage, sometimes you see a guy hit a, like a line drive off the back of the screen and, and it's probably it might still be landing on the infield, but you don't see the top spin. You don't see, you know, him come out of the zone really early mm-hmm. stuff like that. Cause you just hear, see, hear the sound and you hear, see it hit the back of the cage. Right. Mm-hmm. And but like what those, those, that technology really helps guys, you know, um, really see what their, their, their batted balls are doing or what their swings doing and then how to adjust from there. And I mean, try to walk that line of, you know, trying to be perfect. Obviously it's really hard thing to do and, and if not impossible, but you know, like I said, it's not just the coach's eyes anymore. It's this, you know, these thousand dollar cameras picking these things up. And then the coaches take that and say, okay, here's how to make that number better. Right. And here's how to play with that horizontal break on that pitch or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, where do you see baseball going in this province? As far as, you know, if you could gaze into the crystal ball five or 10 or 15 years down the road and beyond that, where do you see yourself going? Do you have bigger dreams, bigger aspirations to go to bigger and better places? What's, what's sort of on your radar? I would n- never say never. Um, but right now, like I'm really happy in Calgary. I, I love Calgary. Uh, I love this program and school. Right. So I don't necessarily see myself wanting to leave. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty lucky that I'm in the situation that I'm in it. I'm only 25. Right. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so I, like I said, I would never say never, but like I said, I, I, I really want to see this program grow and succeed. And, I think we're going to take, I personally think we're going to take the CCBC by storm considering we've, you know, UFC's never had above 500 record ever. Mm. So I, I think we're going to have a really good year this year, but I'm really excited for two, three, four years down the road. Um, next up, we had a really good solid recruiting class this year. Um, I think next year is going to be even better and kind of continue to grow that way. And uh, like I said, I just want to see that, that this program have a lot of success in this league and in this province. Very cool. A couple more questions. They're the standard final couple of questions. One is the advice piece. You know, you, you've dealt with those young kids, those 12, 13, 14 year old kids who are maybe thinking about uh, turning their attention fully on baseball after maybe a multi-sport childhood. Um, What kinds of advice would you offer to them as they're making their way towards a journey that might be along yours even better? Uh, I think when you're in that younger age, let's say 10 to 14, it's, it's still trying to have fun, right? Like, you know, try to do as Go, go hit baseballs in the backyard at the school field, right? Like that kind of sandlot baseball type stuff, right? Like grow the love of the game first. Um, and, and, and that way you want to do that extra, that you want to grind. You want to do that, those extra hours in the cage, the extra workout a week, you, you know, long toss, weighted ball, whatever, you know, but you need to have the love of the game first, right? Or else that stuff's just redundant. Mm-hmm. It feels like a job, which it should never be, right? So, you know, play first, train second, right? Um, and then my other piece of advice that I tell, like, let's say grade 10, 11, 12, especially the 10 and 11s is, uh, you know, start, start to track everything, start to record everything, start to, you know, monitor how, like the numbers that you're lifting and take video and whatever. Right. Cause then that's stuff that like, as a university coach now, like, you know, you'll have recruits send you, Hey, here's my video from grade 10 and here's what I changed. Here's my video in grade 11. Here's how bigger, bigger, faster, stronger I am a year later. Right. So that shows how hard they work, how much they care. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that stuff goes a long way. Everyone in college baseball wants to have good players, but they want to have good people too. Right. And, and hard workers and that stuff that you can't really teach as much. Right. Absolutely. Final question for you. And I think you know, what's coming. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Um, it, it's, it's a fraternity. It's, it's family, it's brotherhood, right. That kind of thing. Um, you know, I've met so many amazing people from the time I was, five years old when I started playing T-ball or even younger when I was at my brother's games uh, and until now, right. It's been 
you know, so many relationships, so many good friends that, uh, you know, a lot of them I'm still in touch with and still talk with. And, you know, and now that it's opening day and you know, all the group chats are firing up and all that kind of stuff. Right. So guys that you haven't talked to in a year, <laughs> but uh, that, that's absolutely, you know, that's what it's all about. Right. Like, you know, so a lot of the things like we talked about favorite baseball memories, but for every in-game memory that you have there or practice memory that you have, there's half a dozen, if not more non-baseball off-field memories from guys that you shared, you know, time with, and then, you know, lived with, or, you know, just had fun around the ballpark with off the, off the field with. And like I said, that's, that goes way further than any, you know, baseball accomplishment. Absolutely. Well, Cam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Congratulations on all the success you've had to this point, continued success going forward, not only this season, but beyond as well. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Cam Williams for joining us this week, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. As mentioned, the CCBC season is underway, so if you're looking to catch some local baseball action, the Dinos, Prairie Baseball Academy Dogs, and Edmonton Collegiate Hawks look forward to seeing you at the ballpark. We'd like to take a quick moment right now to recognize our Platinum supporters for all they do for us and for the baseball community here in our province. The Okotoks Dogs will be looking to get back on top of the WCBL world this season, and it all starts at the end of May. They'll also be hosting the league's all-star game this summer. Head to dogsbaseball.ca for schedule information and much more. And AHP Academy is on the field as well this spring, battling other academies and quickly making a name for themselves as a force to be reckoned with. Their tagline is devoted to driven athletes. Head to ahpbaseball.com for all you need to know about them. Until next time, thanks for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.